short period of time, the Taliban regained control over large parts of the nation, including the capital of Kabul. What does Taliban control mean for Afghanistan and the world, and how would this withdrawal affect U.S. foreign policy? From the School of Diplomacy at Seton Hall University, this is the Global Current. I'm your host, Eric Butts. With me today are two fellow Seton Hall students. Covering the situation in Afghanistan is Hamza Khan. Welcome to the show, Hamza. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And focusing on international reactions and events is Liam Brecker Casey. Hey, Liam. Hey, thanks for having me. Welcome back. Okay, so Afghanistan is obviously uh, a massive news story, perhaps the largest this year, and this year already wasn't a slow news year. It's tricky to cover. There's a lot of coverage of it. Um, so I want to go systematically. Let's go back to the beginning um, and work our way forward. So starting with you, Hamza, can you give us a brief overview of who the Taliban are uh, and where they, where they come from? So basically in the 1980s, the Soviet Union, they invaded uh, Afghanistan, and there was a group that was fighting against them called the Mujahideen. And after the Soviet Union was defeated and they withdrew from Afghanistan, the Mujahideen, they became warlords and spread out all over Afgh- Afghanistan. But the Taliban, they were a group of Mujahideen who were, uh, they believed in a fundamental, fundamentalist interpretation of Islamic law. So they basically became one of the more powerful Mujahideen groups after the war. And they, by 19, there was a civil war in the 90s, and by 1996, they controlled um, most of the country at that time. And they were essentially the government of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And then in 2001, they were, uh, the United States invaded after 9-11 because um, the Taliban were supposedly keeping, uh, they were harboring Osama bin Laden. So the U.S. invaded, they removed the Taliban from sure. power, and essentially the 20-year nation-building project has uh, just ended this year, and that's been the status of the state of Afghanistan for the last 20 years. Okay, and then just a, a quick follow-up. Can you give us a little more insight on what... You mentioned this um, extreme interpretation of Islam. Can you give us a little more detail on what that might look like? Right, so they are fundamentally a Wahhabi group, which is like mm. similar to the Saudi Arabian style of uh, Islamic law. And they are, the Taliban group in general is mostly Sunni, and their Pashtun is their ethnicity. And Afghanistan is a country with a lot of ethnicities, and the Pashtuns are one of the more, uh, plur- was the highest plurality uh, in the state. So they're the ones that basically, con- they want to, uh, th- there are certain factions of the Taliban who want a purist um, Pashtun Sunni uh, or, uh, ruler, rul- uh, ruling over the state. And there are others that want to be more, you know, just want to rule the state with whoever is they can rule over. And mm-hmm. their interpretation is very fundamentalist. So they're very strict in their appliance mm-hmm. and very literal in their interpretation of the Quran and Islamic law in general. So mm-hmm. um, when it comes to women, that's the main thing that people think about. So women would have to be completely covered, especially in the, 19, in the 1990s when they were in charge. So sure. women, they couldn't leave the house. They couldn't even... Um, go to the store without a male. They have to cover their full bodies. Uh, nothing can be shown. They can't be obviously go to school or be a part of the government. And it's very, very um, yeah. uh, brutal in their interpretation. So they would execute people for many things, and they would execute them in soccer stadiums and 
um, people remember that the brutality of the Taliban mm. back then. So that's their interpretation of their, yeah. that's their view of the world, basically. Well, thanks for that um, concise overview on a on a, deli- a big topic, of course. So the Taliban have a very extreme view of Islam uh, that prompted backlash from around the world, and as you mentioned before, the U.S. invaded because they were seen as harboring uh, Osama bin Laden. So that's why the U.S. got involved 20 years ago. For reference, I'm 20 years old. This war has been going on since I was a couple months old, which is just crazy to think about that it's over now, or at least supposedly over. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Liam, can you give us a little bit of insight into the events of this 20-year-long war? The U.S. were obviously in there searching for Osama bin Laden, but what happened? Who were we in there with? We had allies in there. Can you give us a little more insight on how this 20-year war developed? Yeah, of course. There's a lot of dust right now, not only because the events are so recent, but also, I think, partly because 20 years is, like you said earlier, uh, a really long time. And I think a lot of Americans at this point, especially younger Americans, really don't have a clear picture of what has happened and why we got involved, we being the United States, um, in the first place. Um, After uh, 9-11, after the September 11th attacks, the United States wanted to um, bring to justice and uh, neutralize the organization or organizations that um, carried out these attacks. Um, And uh, Al-Qaeda was understood to be the main uh, force behind this. And the Taliban was giving, um, was cooperating and uh, giving a certain amount of um, refuge and harbor to uh, senior members of the Al-Qaeda group. Um, Because of this, the United States uh, invaded Afghanistan. Um, Mm -hmm. But to be very clear, um, while uh, Afghanistan was mostly controlled by the Taliban, that was not completely consolidated. There were significant uh, rebel groups. Um, the Northern Alliance, many ethnic Tajiks were very much mm. opposed to the Taliban um, and had been fighting um, in a basically civil war with the Taliban until the United States joined forces um, against the Taliban. Now, you can look at Joe Biden recently made his summary that sure. the purpose was to avenge the September 11th attacks and ensure that mm-hmm. Afghanistan would not be a harbor for al-Qaeda or other uh, extremist groups that would do harm uh, to the United States ever again. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it remains to be seen if this will be successful. Mm-hmm. So far, that has been the purpose of the invasion, at least under Joe Biden's eyes, and I'd say that's a fairly accurate um, assessment of the initial reasons for invading. Sure. Now, leaving aside the fact whether or not those goals were accomplished, for now, we'll get back to that, Um, I want to talk more about the recent events which has occurred there. Uh, What factors prompted U.S. troops to withdraw? What started this, this withdrawal process? Who did it start under? That's you again, Liam. Under uh, President Trump, the United States negotiated and began laying the groundwork for an eventual withdrawal from Afghanistan. I believe at this point, 
certainly a year ago, but probably for many years before this. Afghanistan and the U.S. involvement um, in Afghanistan was, in the United States, increasingly unpopular. I think a lot of Americans really felt that there was no need to be in Afghanistan anymore, and thus President Trump started laying the groundwork for this withdrawal. There were negotiations with the Taliban, um, and this date was set um, to eventually leave. Obviously, President Trump was not reelected, so the actual withdrawal did not take place under his administration. It took place under President Biden's. But President Biden also felt that this was a good policy and a necessary measure, that being to withdraw from Afghanistan. And thus, he withdrew. The other factor that made it, especially within the last few months, basically impossible or very near impossible to reverse on that was that uh, the Taliban began making very sweeping gains all across the country. Major capitals of provinces would be taken, provinces would be taken weekly, and there really was a domino effect to the point where elders of certain towns would just negotiate with the Taliban and surrender a city to ensure that there wouldn't be any bloodshed because it was seen as inevitable that the Taliban would win. Okay. All right. So there was kind of a a withdrawal process started before Biden. It started under under Trump, but it came to fruition under Biden, and there was kind of a freight train of momentum building up to it. So let me ask you one more thing, Liam. Was this withdrawal, because the U.S. were not the only ones in Afghanistan. You mentioned the Northern Alliance. Those are people from Afghanistan and some other groups, but also uh, NATO allies, uh, UK, Canada, for sure. Was this withdrawal coordinated with them in a fashion that they're satisfied with? Or It's clear that none of these countries would have been involved um, in Afghanistan um, had it not been for the United States, of course. Um, the United States was the country that was attacked. The initiator. Right. Um, although uh, many of these countries did have uh, citizens who were killed in the attacks um, on 9-11. Which, of, of which the anniversary is coming up Correct. this Sunday, I believe. But I, I don't think any country felt and any government felt comfortable um, remaining in Afghanistan after the U.S. left. Um, I don't think that would have been a, a realistic possibility, and mm. I don't think there was any stomach for that at home in any of these NATO countries that join with the United States in combating the Taliban. Sure. But there has definitely been, as we might get into, a certain amount of criticism for how the uh, withdrawal was carried out, especially towards the very end. There there have been similar sentiments in other countries, especially Britain and the countries that had large forces deployed in Afghanistan. Okay. All right, let me turn back to you, Hamza. You've just been sitting here. (laughs) Um, Why were the Taliban... So after the U.S. began its withdrawal, um, I understand the Taliban took control rather rapidly. Uh, Can you go more into detail about that and explain maybe why it happened? Right, so as uh, Liam mentioned before, they started taking over different provinces like every week. And a lot of this was because as the U.S. withdrew from their, their most of their troops by Ju- uh, July, where they left Bagram Air Base to the Afghan security forces, and as the Taliban approached each like provincial capitals, 
the the and the U.S. soldiers were gone, the Afghan security forces didn't really want didn't really fight back against them because they were so reliant. Because the way that the U.S. Uh, propped up the Afghan military, mm-hmm. it was extremely reliant on American forces, especially air, the Air Force. And since the Americans were gone, there was nobody providing that air support. So they really, their tactics really wouldn't have been able to match the guerrilla tactics that the Taliban had been perfecting for the last 20 years. So in addition to the fact that they didn't really believe in their government, to be honest, because yeah. this, um, the pre- President Ashraf Ghani, he literally fled Afghanistan right as the Taliban were about to take over Kabul. And so with their leader gone, there's really not much will to fight back at that point and most people just wanted peace in that country like he, uh, Leah mentioned before uh, there was a lot of negotiations with the Taliban the main thing the Taliban want is legitimacy so mm-hmm. they promised um, amnesty to these groups if they surrendered they promised there wouldn't be reprisals and inclusion in the government and people remember the 1990s and the brutality that they, they ruled with before they promised mm-hmm. not to rule with, in that vein but we'll see if that's true yeah. Already, signs are showing that that may not be true. Mm. But they were able to take over the, cap- the the country because there was no force to fight back. There was no a- Afghan government. Uh, it is it is still pretty shocking though how rapidly it right. happened. It it was like I mean, in eleven days they took over the entire yeah, country. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And th- I mean that's a force that's been trained for for some time. It's true. I mean they were reliant on U.S. air force, but certainly the Taliban didn't have a developed air force either. Right. But you're also saying there's a certain morale right. um, factor in there and the fact that they didn't quite have faith in the government. Right, so the Afghan military, a lot of uh, it's it was really seen as a jobs program more so than uh, like joining the military. So if you needed a job, that uh, was basically a way for many young men to find employment. And that's another factor to it. There, they were reportedly like 300,000 members of this Afghan security force, but that number was false because yeah. there's these supposed ghost soldiers, which are not real soldiers, but their names are on the sheets, right? Mm-hmm. So their salaries could be collected by okay. the by the top military officials because corruption is also another factor in uh, why the legitimacy of this uh, Afghan government was mm-hmm. in question. M- rampant corruption... So these military officials would collect the salaries of soldiers whose names are on these sheets, but they don't really exist. So uh-huh. the number of soldiers is also inaccurate. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's a really crucial point to make because I mean, it's still shocking that it happened in 11 days, but these other elements really help uh, develop a picture of why that may have happened. Let me ask: Do the Taliban? I mean, we saw the news story: fall of Kabul, fall of Taliban. Uh, but do they have total control of the country yet? So this is updating this week. Like, over this weekend, they took the final um, provincial capital, Panjshir, which was, even in the 1990s, that cap- that province didn't fall to the Taliban. But it, just over this weekend, they, they announced that they conquered it. Now, some, the, like the resistance leaders are saying that they haven't fallen yet. So the resistance leaders consist mostly of Amrullah Saleh, who was the vice president of Ashraf Ghani. Okay. So he did not flee the country. He went to Panjshir, because th- that's where there was a militia led by uh, Ahmad Masood. He's one of the warlords of that area. And okay. he's, his father was a famous uh, anti-Taliban and anti-Soviet um, warlord. So that's basically where the resistance was holed up in Panjshir, which is like geographically very hard to 
to get into because it's like in a long valley and there's not a lot of entrance points and exit points in that um, location. Okay. So, but over this weekend, um, the Taliban, they announced that Mm -hmm. they took over that um, that provincial country. So they're solidifying control. Yes, and much. just to, uh, yesterday they announced their intern go- interim government. They've just announced that it's been okay. formed. Yeah, all right. Well, um, there's one other really important aspect of the story, but we'll have to touch on it rather briefly. Liam, can you tell us about the events uh, of the Kabul airport and, and what happened there with the terrorist attack? Yeah, so for many days the evacuation had been um, obviously very tense, especially Mm -hmm. in the very early um, days, or the earliest days, you Mm -hmm. had um, people desperately trying to climb um, airplanes, trying to get in in any way. People held on to um, planes and fell to their deaths just trying to escape and trying to flee the country. Um, But um, after that, it seems like there was a relative um, level of stability that was restored once more and more um, coalition troops arrived sure. and were able to somewhat secure the area. Um, but of course, you had um, members of uh, what has been identified as ISIS K or um, Islamic State affiliate uh, for Khorasan, which is kind of um, the region including Afghanistan and other okay. um, neighboring regions. Um, and these uh, suicide attacks were carried out um, and killed, obviously, over a dozen um, U.S. service members and um, many dozens of Afghan civilians. Um, yeah. The uh, attack, um, it, it's really hard to say. None of these things can be definite. Sure. Um, it seems as though um, the Taliban is not um, at all friendly to um, this Islamic State uh, Khorasan affiliate. Um, mm-hmm. They have fought in the past, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it, is it possible that um, there were certain members that were affiliated with both or something? That's all possible. Okay. Um, but definitely, the Taliban, um, at least officially, did not want this to happen. Of course, they condemned this, sure. um, and they were trying to just. Um, look over the withdrawal until the date that they gave as the limit that everyone needed to be evacuated and the U.S. needed to leave. Um, so they had um, their troops stationed outside the airport um, and, you know, obviously didn't engage in combat with American um, troops or coalition okay. troops. All right. Um, it's pretty ironic. A war that began in response to a terrorist attack would end with a terrorist attack. Um Let's move towards the end now. Hamza, let me ask you, uh, what so far are you predicting and are you seeing with the Taliban? Are they going to be better than they were in the 90s and in the early 2000s uh, in relation to their um, the treatment of women and, and things such as this? Or does it look like the status quo is, is returning? So in this regard, this tal- this iteration of the Taliban is far more politically savvy than the 1990s version they want they actually want international legitimacy and so they've announced that they would uh, grant amnesty to everyone and they even announced that women would work shoulder to shoulder with them as long as Mm -hmm. they're covered they wouldn't crack down on women's rights however there were protests over this weekend and they did crack down on them 
and there have been protests throughout the country recently against these are anti-Pakistan protests as well because Pakistan is seen as one of the biggest supporters of the Taliban. Okay. So, and the Taliban have responded harshly to these uh, protests. But mm-hmm. it's also important to note that they have just formed their government, so um, we can't really uh, say how their rule has been going so far. Yeah. They announced that, but one thing that you can notice is from their interim government, they, uh, they promised that they would be far more inclusive. However, this interim government includes only Taliban members, Pashtun uh, Taliban members. There's one or two um, Uzbek and Tajik okay. uh, members of the government, but the majority of them are Pashtun Taliban Sunni members. And mm. there are groups like the Hazara Shias who were very, um, who were uh, treated very harshly in the 1990s, who are afraid that's going to come back. Now, some tal- the Taliban they did. Um, commemor- uh, go to one of the Hazara commemorations for one of their uh, holidays, mm-hmm. and but then there's also reports of of Taliban killing Shia in other in like other parts of the country. So okay. it's unclear. Yeah, and it's clear. Uh, one thing that you can know is that there's a disconnect between the leadership and between what uh, the leadership and what the grunt members of the of the Taliban do in like certain rural parts. So. That's also another consideration. I have time for one last question. I'll address it to you, Liam. What effect do you think that this withdrawal will have on, on U.S. prestige? Uh, and should the U.S. recognize the Taliban? Um, I, I think that um, whether it's fair or not, um, the, um, the kind of hasty um, evacuation, um, given that it seems like the United States... Um, definitely underestimated the capabilities of the Taliban and overestimated um, the capabilities of the um, Afghan Republic. Mm -hmm. Um, That coupled with the um, suicide attacks at the Kabul airport, um, again, whether that was truly preventable, whether that was truly um, a result of... um, you know, massive incompetence or not, um, that is a massive blow to U.S. prestige mm-hmm. um, abroad. Um, I think that, um, you know, time will tell, but I think that sure. will definitely sure. um, damage the reputation, definitely the uh, reputation of uh, American diplomatic and military capabilities mm-hmm. and competence. Um, and I think um, regarding whether the United States should recognize the Taliban, um, obviously, this is my personal opinion. Sure. Um, at this point, um, if you're kind of asking from a um, purely strategic point of view for American interests, I think there's a good argument to be made that some sort of um, at least not completely hostile relations with the Taliban would yep. be preferable just so that there is some level of amicability and some level of communication um, okay. will allow the United States to have at least somewhat more influence and uh, positive relationship with um, Afghanistan. All right. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Uh, this has been fantastic discussion. Liam, Hamza, thank you so much for joining me today. Joining me now to round out some other headlines this week is our news briefer, Shweta Parthasarathy. Hey, Shweta. Hey, Eric. So, what are you keeping an eye on this week? 
at a possible military coup in Guinea, the upcoming election for Chancellor of Germany, and the fight for women's rights in Afghanistan. Okay, great. So let's start with what's going on in Guinea. Soldiers in Guinea's capital city of Conakry staged an uprising and took control of the country's state-sponsored television system on Sunday. Led by Colonel Mamadi Dumboya, the soldiers declared that the country's government and constitution had been dissolved and all land and air borders were closed. In a contrasting statement, President Alpha Condi's defense ministry said the attack on the presidential palace had been successfully repelled, although the president's current whereabouts are unknown. Mm, okay, so a developing situation in Guinea. Uh, let's turn to Germany now. What's happening there? The current German chancellor, Angela Merkel, uh, offered full support of Armin Laschet, the center-right union bloc's candidate, to succeed her as chancellor once she steps down in late September. Laschet, who is also the governor of North Rhine-Westphalia and the leader of the Christian Democratic Union Party, is currently behind the center-left Social Democrats in recent polling. Chancellor Merkel's endorsement is expected to help Laschet's chances in the election later this month. Okay, certainly a very important election in Germany. And last but not least, uh, related to our topic this week, what's going on in Afghanistan? Recently, a demonstration for women's rights in Afghanistan's capital city of Kabul was broken up by the Taliban on Sunday. The dozens of women demanding rights from the newly established government were hit with tear gas and pepper spray as they tried to walk towards the presidential palace, though the Taliban maintained the protest simply got out of control. This protest is the latest of several in Kabul and Herat, as women wonder what their futures, futures will look like with the Taliban in power. Okay, well, Shweta, thank you so much for all of that. That is all we have time for today. Be sure to follow The Global Current on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on upcoming shows. This show would not have been possible without our dedicated crew. Executive producer Jared Dang, associate producers Jasmine DeLeon and Joaquin Matimas, and technical producers Chimdi Chukuwerke. And, of course, your host, Eric Bunce. The Global Current is brought to you by the School of Diplomacy and International Relations at Seton Hall University. As always, keep it current with us and catch us on the waves every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on 89.5 FM WSOU. Until next time, thank you.